This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 229, about Jessica Jones, season 3, episode 7, a.k.a. the double half Wappinger. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to our 229th episode of Defenders TV Podcast. We're still talking about Jessica Jones Season 3, and we are loving it. We're on Episode 7, a.k.a. the Double Half Wappinger. This is Derek, and I'm joined by my other host, Chris. What's up, everybody? We know what a Wappinger is now. Exactly. It's a small town. (laughs) Yeah, it took me a while. It still sounds quite juicy, Mm -hmm. and... Because we're recording before my dinner one night, um, I'm. It just sounds better and better each time. <laughs> mm, double half whoppinger, mm, nice. <laughs> flame grilled, flame grilled. I do like that it's a double half because a double half is a whole, right? So it's the same thing as a whole whoppinger. Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> I didn't think about that, but yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing that his dad is not into wrestling the way that these two guys were. No, no. <laughs> and you see the way I did that? Because I said it that way, so you didn't know what the spoiler's about. This is our spoiler-filled discussion of Episode 7 of Season 3 of Jessica Jones. It is roasting here, so we may have to take a break about halfway through here uh, for me to go and get some, some water. Um, it's so hot, I've changed my headphones from my over-ear headphones to my in-ear ones because I sweat too badly with those <laughs> in 37 degrees temperatures. So uh, this might either be a really quick one or we'll take a break, right? That sounds like a plan. (laughs) But, fellow defenders, if you haven't registered for our proper podcast, the full list of all of our podcasts is available over on tvpodcastindustries.com. That's where we're doing all of our podcasting. We're about halfway through our final season of Defenders TV Podcast, our final talks about the Marvel Netflix shows, and we'll be moving on to some... I suppose, really interesting new shows and new stuff, new content on TV Podcast Industry. So make sure you subscribe to us over on tvpodcastindustry.com or search for us at TV Podcast Industries on any drunk or sober podcast catcher. Chris, what kind of stuff are we looking at in the next couple of weeks? Well, just for our fellow defenders, we will be doing Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. Do not fear. You will get our review of that. Yes. Um, but also, there is a beautiful superhero show on the way to Amazon called The Boys. Mm-hmm. Yes, from Garth Ennis's The Boys. Yes, we're uh, going to be covering The Boys coming out on the 28th of July. Uh, so that's, that's going to be our next big comic book show. Uh, we are also, over on TV Podcast Industries, following up on our Gotham coverage with another uber-violent TV show <laughs> in a completely different universe over in the uh, the DC universe. Uh, Pennyworth is coming out from the 28th of July as well. Uh, going to be a really interesting one to check that out. This is the exact same criticism that was leveled at Gotham as being leveled at Pennyworth. Why do you need that? Well, I'm I'm guessing the people that gave us five seasons, a hundred episodes of Gotham are going to prove that for us. So uh, we're looking forward to checking that one out. And you'll get all those episodes over on TV Podcast Industries. I'm looking forward to it. I can't have to say I'm I'm not a huge. I wasn't a huge Gotham um fan i i watched along i obviously listened to my fellow co-hosts here mm-hmm. um but it wouldn't been my go-to all the time mm-hmm. uh, but i'm severely interested in pennyworth <laughs> although i will say every time i hear the name of the show i can't help but think of a very demonic alien clown pennywise yes i think yes. there's going to be definitely some a lot of confusion uh with us when we're going to be talking about it um i'll give you a little hint though paloma faith is absolutely amazing and i thought she was going to be terrible so check the trailers out check out paloma faith uh her character of bet is one of the villains in the upcoming show check out her her trailers that are on there see 
what you think. Um, she's going to be some someone to watch out for. Yes, and of course, if you have any feedback on this show or any of our future shows, don't forget you can send us your emails at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com or feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, let's get into the details of this episode of Jessica Jones, Season 3, Episode 7, a.k.a. The Double Half Wapiger. Chris, do you want to tell us the episode details? This one was written by Nancy Wan. She's done loads of other shows, including Supernatural, Being Human, and Jericho. But this is her first episode of Jessica Jones. But we will, will see her back, which I'm very excited for, for the finale, everything. Mm-hmm. The final episode of the season of Jessica Jones and all of the Defender shows. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. And I have to say, I'm noticing a big thread with, the obviously, the teams behind Supernatural, Being Human. Because um, we've had some other writers and directors uh, doubling over mm-hmm. um, from those shows as well. And I have to say, I'm really interested to the point where I'm like, do I go back and watch Being Human US and UK? Do I go back and try and attempt going back to Supernatural from the beginning? <laughs> what do you think, fellow Defenders? Is this something that I can put on in terms of everything else I watch? Is this something I should? Or is it particular episodes I should jump back in on? Let me know. <laughs> Um, but I have to say as well that this episode was directed by Larry Tang. Uh, this is his only Jessica Jones episode mm-hmm. he directed, but he did direct Runaway Season 2, Episode 3, Double Zeros, which is a fantastic other Marvel-inspired show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's directed other TV, included Arrow, Supergirl, The Walking Dead. He's currently working on a new version of another slightly less hard-boiled detective show, hopefully with less alcohol consumption as well, <laughs> none other than Nancy Drew which is due out later this year as well. That's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, this is um, expected to be similar in style to like the Riverdale type, where it's kind of adulting up a kid's show, effectively. (laughs) So you never know, there might be a bit of drinking in it. There'll probably be a bit, probably not to the same level as Jessica, where she's sitting on a bed with her fourth fifth of bourbon (laughs) um, that day alone. Her fourth fifth, I like it. Yeah, exactly. It's four-fifths of a bourbon. It's kind of like a double half whopping you right there. Exactly. It's the only way. <laughs> Why measure it uh, in fifths? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's how we're going to do it from now on. All of the fifths. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to say as well, you can definitely see some of the Arrow Supergirl, but the uh, quite interesting parts, and especially the Walking Dead through lines and some of the shots he did. Interesting. Um, particularly, I'll jump into one part later on where you can definitely see the caped vigilante darkness of arrow oh yes um so but before i get into our case notes and specifically that point derek do you want to give us the synopsis sure jessica jones and trish walker watch on as salinger walks away scot-free from the police with a little help from jerry hogarth jerry needs to divert attention from her business problems so put salinger in front of the media to get his side of the story out there salinger uses this time in the spotlight to reveal the second super vigilante who attacked him while everyone is trying to work out who it could be, Jessica and Trish go to his hometown of Wappinger Falls to investigate the beginnings of a serial killer. They had the victim wrong, but the crime right, as the duo reveal the long-covered grave of Greg Salinger's first murder. Now this felt like a detective show, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. This felt like almost like a part two of a season without actually officially ramping down enough to be part two I get of a season. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. It's not like they had a pause. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really, really felt, um, it felt like that, okay, we need to get back to the drawing board in the case. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we're going to put the feet on the ground. This is what, how we're going to do it. Yeah. And it felt good to do that 
thorough lane kind of slow down episode but without as i said putting on the brakes too hard absolutely and one of the pleasures really of these third seasons of these shows you know jessica jones and daredevil are the only ones that made it to their third season one of the pleasures of them is that they've been able to leave the city of new york and go out and see some various small towns which are probably very close to new york for a foreigner like us we don't really notice that but (laughs) but it's nice to see them kind of branching out of new york for a little while to get away from the city and that's kind of cool Let's get into our case notes for this week, Chris, with case note number one, Hogarth's new client. What do you think of this bit? So this was interesting. Mm. We've spoken before about how Jerry's downfall this season alone, she's she's acting completely in character, but also not in character. If you like, we started seeing some redemption arcs of Jerry over the previous two seasons. Yeah. And this is very much going, reminding you, no, 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 no. Jerry Hogarth is... Jerry Hogarth. Yep, it's about her business and her business alone. We didn't even mention it last week. You know, there was that whole kind of scene with Jerry and Zaya in the office. Um, We didn't really mention it last episode, but they have that conversation with Jessica where Jessica talks about Salinger and the fact that he is a murderer. And then Jerry goes, goes, I want all of his information. I want all of his details. You know, it, it is really important to know. And Jerry points it out quite strongly here. If you think her business isn't important to her and she will let it die without a fight, you don't know Jerry Hogarth. Yeah, it's this is her legacy. Mm-hmm. Like this, this company is going to be what she cares about and what she leaves behind. Yeah, as we see Jerry's degradation um, from her illness, mm-hmm. this is putting it more in front for her and potentially the death of her new her her new love. In terms of that relationship, is now gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just interesting, but specifically going back to her taking on. Salinger and that first bit where we get where she walks out of the courthouse Mm -hmm. with Trish and Jess there watching which by the way apparently being super means you also have super hearing (laughs) because they're across the other side of the road listening and they're not (laughs) shouting but anyway everybody gets super listening it's just the basics of their superpowers Chris (laughs) yes yes exactly it's just like can you listen as well as you can watch yes you can then you're a superhero (laughs) they can all read lips that's that's all it is but there is some (laughs) lovely touches in here you know obviously a big shock really that that Hogarth's going to defend someone as awful as this like she's worked with Jessica for years and does genuinely trust Jessica's opinion and Jessica's version of a story she will give her the the benefit of the doubt for the most part like we hear her using that word allegedly a number of times in this episode once again this famous lawyer word where they're saying i don't really care if he's innocent or guilty we can use salinger this serial killer we can use his high profile to get our business out of the dirt so i don't want anybody to talk about his innocence or guilt around me but there are a couple of clues very quickly in that she may have put her trust in the wrong person. We hear Salinger go on uh, go on screen in front of the television cameras and talk about Jessica maybe being a feminist vindicator, you know, and this idea that maybe the two of them are taking back the night. You know, we see this reaction from Jerry kind of going, maybe they are, and that's not a bad thing. Don't turn it into a bad thing. And Salinger talking about the fact that he's aiming for the base audience that watches these news programs. Um, it's a, an interesting pairing already between these two characters. Yeah, and also, like, we straight away see Salinger sizing up Jerry and Mm. essentially going, no, 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 I know about you, blah, 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 you need to earn my trust before jumping into his Uber. And that straight away starts ringing alarm bells, but not for Jerry. And even later on, when Isaiah and Salinger and Jerry are in their client meeting, Mm -hmm. 
he starts rattling off their records yeah, to absolutely. a degree. This this should be ringing every alarm bell in the world for Jerry, but it's not because what she's seeing is the potential to advance her her business, mm-hmm. absolutely, or at least save her business. And it, you're right; it really should be ringing alarm bells. It definitely rings alarm bells for me. I'm wondering we're on final season now. We know the show finished with everybody knowing the show was over and the series was done. Is this the big alarm bell here? Is this, will Hogarth survive the season? Um, should we be worried for Jerry Hogarth? He specifically says, and we talked about it last episode, Chris, he specifically says that she needs to prove herself to him because she, he's, he's read her background, he knows what she's capable of, and if he doesn't work that hard for her, he may think of her as a person of advantage uh, in her privilege. And people that are, have, have advantage in their privilege, well, he takes them out. That's That's his person that he goes after so do you think there's any possibility that that hogarth could be on the chopping block oh 100 100 all it's gonna take is that he finds some shred of proof in his eyes Mm -hmm. that she got an unfair advantage from someone who is richer than she or richer than he Mm -hmm. or um whatever um particularly like if daniel rand's if the Rand contract and it came out that he was Iron Fist or something along those lines, mm-hmm. like it can be, it can be devastating for her. And I think that might be a fitting end Oof. to Jerry in that she could get some form of redemption at her last moment. Okay. So, Almost like because we know she she knows she is dying. We've she's talked to Jessica about ending it, mm-hmm. but what about if her going on her own terms in that in a point where she saves Trish or Zaya or Jess? Right, right. Like she not jump not jumping in a, in front of a bullet, but essentially that in kind of written words if you will right like jumping on the grenade to save other people interesting yeah i I kind of feel like it's most likely going to be connected with this peter and kith storyline um we have another moment here two moments actually in this episode where zaya says that hogarth has sent a text message to zaya by mistake about kith um that's one instance where we know she's still absolutely obsessed with kith and then we get another moment later on in the episode when there's a phone call that Jerry gets, and it turns out to be a telly salesperson, but um, <laughs> but it's she thinks it's Kith. It could be Kith because it's a hidden number on the other end of the phone. These two things keeping that whole storyline back top of mind now that Hogarth is working with Salinger and now that Salinger is investigating Hogarth, kind of get the feeling if he learns that she has used her point of privilege to break up a marriage and try and take her ex-lover back, that may be something that might push Salinger to target Hogarth. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, it would be an interesting one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that does that it does kind of lead us into like kind of the next part of the sec of this case note, which is Zaya alone, right? Mm-hmm. So Zaya is being trained uh, and molded by Jerry. Yeah, and it's becoming more and more evident that she emulates everything that Jerry is and how she was and can be. Yeah. Um, so when Jerry pushes her to investigate the the alleged other vigilante, she kind of goes really deep on this. Absolutely. And she even mentions her loan. Like, 
in that the the five clients she's finds, including the the young date rapist, mm-hmm. um, that they weren't good people, but they were still our clients, and they all mentioned this woman, this this mass vigilante. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Jerry makes the connection, basically that they're going after us. They have they're literally targeting us. Go investigate this. Zaya goes, what about Malcolm? He's our lead. And she goes, no, I want you on this alone. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jerry's already feeling or sensing something with Malcolm that he's a bit off with her. Um, that whole piece, and we'll talk about him next, really, um, but that whole piece gives her enough to go, Zaya, go investigate this alone because Malcolm may be covering something up here kind of thing. Um, Zaya does find out. She does find the CCTV footage of Malcolm Unfortunately, the camera's the opposite direction, so she doesn't see who the master vigilante is. It could be anybody in the entire city of New York, basically. But what she does know is Malcolm is working with the vigilante. Yeah, and that's it's a nice way to question how that ends. Luckily, we don't see it's Trish. Mm-hmm. So I, I was glad about that. We You didn't get that as she turned to the camera and to yeah. jump out the window. Yeah. And then her mask is still off and it's like, freeze frame, enhance, enhance, enhance. <laughs> Um, it's Patsy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Patsy, what are we gonna do with you? But let's take it out with Malcolm. Let's go on to case night number two. Malcolm is sliding backwards, um, just to kind of fill in, I suppose, the patches on around Hogarth stuff with Malcolm because he has come back to the office after that awful ending to the last episode where he's sank to his lowest low, really. Yeah, and that was, that was a tough ending. Mm-hmm. So first of all, we do see him lament on that to a degree, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. And you can see that he is starting to, he regrets his decision, which, fine. Okay, so see where that goes. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't quick to admit what he did at all. And, you know, it is a decision. He wasn't, uh, wasn't really protesting very much either, right? No, no. And it's the question of whether, is he just sorrowful or is there actual regret and what would he do with it? Well, I I will point out, actually, there is a piece of feedback that we've got in case we forgot. Malcolm did become a sex addict in season two. So he does have form in this area where sex does take over from relationships quite quickly at times if he allows it to. So just in case we forgot, that is a a kind of a history of Malcolm's after the drug addiction. There was a bit of sex addiction in season two as well. So um, so interesting to see that they're keeping that as part of his character in this season as well. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Mm. that is true. So that is part of it. At the same time, he also then is trying to do this, I'm going to be better. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so we, he, he arrives to the office just in time to meet with Salinger himself, yeah. with Jerry and Zaya, which is an interesting meeting, um, especially because I think Salinger doesn't have the measure of him. And I think you even see Salinger, I, I don't like people being there that I haven't investigated. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like that, He's a concerning man overall. And I think Jerry has that arrogance about her that she feels she can handle him. Zaya has obviously dealt with clients like him before who were hugely precious about their, their privacy and do investigate the people that are going to be dealing with them. But when Malcolm overhears him breaking everything that he knows about Jerry and about Zaya, that has him in the room instantly. Um, and, and the back is up immediately as well. You know, he's saying to him, I'm an open book, just ask me any questions kind of thing. <laughs> it's really, really interesting to see Malcolm just be this massively protective person. You know, um, we hear from Jerry kind of saying to him, um, if you have an opinion, keep it to yourself. That's not your job. Uh, yeah. So, and we hear a little bit of that from Zaya as well. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a thing where they're, where they're all saying to him, your job is not to, to, 
have an opinion about who we hire as clients or who which clients hire us and who we take on board your job is to do your job and that's it yeah and then luckily he uses that approach then he turns around back to jerry and goes my job is risk mitigation Mm -hmm. and so he he basically agrees that he's going to look into salinger and that everyone agrees jerry the whole lot so this is what leads him to this okay i'm going to go in and really deep down look into who Salinger is and what his potentials are. Mm-hmm. So he does, first thing he does, he goes to Jessica. I know. Jessica's not there. <laughs> yep. And we get this great scene with Gillian. She is just hilarious. I absolutely love this moment <laughs> when she just, when he sticks his head out the door and scares her in the hallway and then follows her into the office and she goes, look, you used to do this job. If someone gave you nearly a heart attack in the hallway and didn't even apologize about it and then said, Jessica will be okay with me looking through her files, what would you do? <laughs> I, I have to say, I love Gillian's character. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really wish, oh, of course, I wish for another season of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. But I would l- love to see this character of Gillian become more prevalent. Definitely. Um, it's just, she's a comic relief She's a comic relief so much in this, and it's brilliant. There's one scene, which I'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. when Jessica's leaving the office. Yep. And she gives her the... Um, hand sanitizer. The, the hand sanitizer, uh-huh. going, you won't know it's on the pumps. And she goes, remember, super. And Jessica puts it back. Uh-huh. And then she goes, well, actually, hold on. <laughs> you can't just, hurt. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just... But I love the confidence was, of Gillian in that scene as well, when, when Jessica hands it back to her, she just puts it further out on her desk so that Jessica has easy access to it, because she knows she's right. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Really but good. Getting, getting back to the Malcolm scene, mm. like, she's standing up to this, albeit beautiful man, as she says. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she stands up to him and stops him, like, taking the photos and everything, and mm-hmm. forces it forces him to call Jessica, who, which we end up getting Trish. Yeah. And then she gives the commentary for when Malcolm's not speaking, which was brilliant, <laughs> which was like, oh, what was it? Yeah, he's looking very sullen. Or he, yes, his look says right now that he, he's agreeing with for it. And it's just like, okay, this is brilliant. Yeah, I think Trish asks, uh, but you're on the payroll of Jerry Hogarth, and he doesn't say anything, and Gillian says, his body language says he is, and then a little bit later on, she says, his body language says, you're treating me like a child, and I don't deserve to be treated like a child at all. <laughs> really, really fun moments from Gillian. But just an interesting one to call out, really, that Malcolm is so on board with this attack on Salinger, I suppose, um, that he's, going, he's willing to go and it, investigate this whole thing, on behalf of Jerry, basically, but what he wants to do is take him down. He doesn't want to prove to Jerry that he's an okay stand-up guy. He wants to prove to Jerry that he's not. He's a serial killer. So, again, I'll ask the question, because we're on episode seven. <laughs> I'll ask the question, does this, again, put him in the sights of Salinger's? He's not had the greatest of life uh, in the past. We know he's had his drug addict time. He's done some pretty bad things in season two. He's definitely doing some pretty bad things in this season as well on behalf of Hogarth. So, is he taking advantage? Will he be seen by Salinger as being another person that's taking advantage of their position or had advantage getting into their position? No, I think he's safe. I do think that he his position with Hogarth mm-hmm. is bad. Mm-hmm. It's in it's on the rocks. I see him. He said, "Like what I do in the what was basically saying something along the line. What I do in the daytime is up to me is up to her, but what I do outside of that is my own business." Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like Hogarth and Co. 
Um, it's a firm that pays his bills. There's certain things he has to do to live his life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the rest he's doing because it's what's right. But I do wonder, you know, as I say, same same question, I suppose, over the release of that information about Peter. If Salinger thinks that's bad enough, will that push will that push Malcolm in the sights since he's the one that did the investigation and found the information? So we'll see. I suppose you know it's one of these things, one of these open questions we have for the rest of the series because nothing makes a serial killer more threatening than when they're after your uh, your central characters, right? But one thing I will say is no one is safe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No one. <laughs> so I I can honestly see everyone bar Jessica Jones mm-hmm. dying. Like in every single possible way. There you go. <laughs> um and that's the that's the truth. I like it could be everyone's on the chopping block because you do have a purely psychotic gifted and I don't mean gifted in terms of special. I mean gifted in terms of intelligence, etc. Yeah. Serial killer. And you you used the word that he hates most, didn't you? There. Gifted. Exactly. He's never been gifted with anything. He fought for everything, Chris. <laughs> Let's get on to a visit to his hometown because this is another part of his episode. This building up of the case against Salinger and building up of the information behind Salinger, I suppose. So our case note number three is the road trip to Wappinger Falls. Uh, this is the piece you talked about, Chris. This opening to this scene really is the arrival of Trish and Jessica back to the office after that big expose on TV with Gillian on the phone, right? Yeah. And it, it was brilliant. So we get the, hold please, no, hold please. Well, you don't have a choice. Hold please. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's brilliant. I love that um, she keeps twisting Jessica's phrases because she knows Jessica so well. This thing where she calls over to Jessica going, look, they keep asking about this massive vigilante. What do you want me to tell them? Jessica goes, Salinger is a liar. And Gillian goes back on the phone going, Jessica doesn't like anyone enough to take on a partner. <laughs> <laughs> really good and you know it's just that really good turn of phrase Gillian is that type of person you know where she just will tell people like it is she's the perfect foil to Jessica Jones yeah and we get that great scene where we do after that see Jessica's detective skills really coming again to the the, the foreground mm-hmm. and it's one of the reasons I'm really happy with this season so far yeah. which is it's a noir detective story again like we not that it wasn't previously, it's just that that, that thread, that theme, uh, that, that kind of genre is being pulled a bit more into the forefront. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and seeing Jessica basically zero, on, zero in on, okay, well, we know we can't get him for any of these deaths, but he's a serial killer. He didn't learn it straight away. He had to have started somewhere. And zeroing in on, well, Salinger's brother died in an accident. But what if it wasn't? And that leads to, okay, let's go to Wappinger Falls. Yeah, absolutely agree with you, Chris. This whole idea of bringing this detective stuff back in, you know, this concept of the two of them having absolutely no leads. Trish, as we talked about last episode, bouncing around going, right, what's next? Where are we going next? What are we doing next? Oh, we're just going to sit down and stare at the wall. Is that what we're doing, Jessica? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> and it, it goes back into that detective stuff. This is what Jessica Jones is around for. Uh, I'm rereading the um, the most recent run by Kelly Thompson of Jessica Jones. I'm rereading that at the moment. And it's very clear throughout that book that Jessica Jones is an investigator. This is what her special power is. It's not anything that's enhanced by her superpowers at all. She can basically punch someone if they throw a punch at her, but her actual 
thing that she's really good at is investigating things. And sometimes that doesn't stand out in the show. Um, here, I think it absolutely stands out. She may get it wrong, but she's willing to follow a lead that she thinks will uh, will get them back on the path of Salinger. And the lead here is the tractor flipped over on Salinger's brother from 15 years beforehand. Yeah. And the, the question is, was he involved? Was this his first issue mm-hmm. um so they get to Wappinger falls and it's okay we need to see these records and we do see jess try to pull her pi card out uh-huh. and we get introduced to police officer velasco yes <laughs> i love this i really like the idea you know obviously you've told someone that you're coming down from jessica jones's office in new york to have those files ready well it's the internet it gets everywhere in the world um you just search up Salinger and Jessica Jones. I presume that comes up uh, with with the video footage from the TV service. You know, not that difficult. But I like this idea that she's getting to the small town that everybody here seems to have a problem with her. Nobody is giving her really any help. This is something that you'll actually see in Supernatural quite a lot, Chris. If you ever get past you know season one or two, um, you'll see them traveling to small towns all the time, and everybody getting pissed off with people getting in their business basically. But once you add in superpowers like Jessica Jones, well you're going to have this bit where they just push back and go get out of our town kind of thing. Yeah, it's the whole small town mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm the cop. I know everyone. Um, this is obviously quite a staple of, we hear, Midwest, the US. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the, the, the town's as big as 2,000 people yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Everyone knows everyone's business. And don't get me wrong, I totally understand if somebody walked into my job and said to me, uh, I think you did a really bad job of that 15 years ago. Give me your files and I'll fix it. Um, yeah, they're they're going to be thrown out in their ass pretty quickly. <laughs> well, not Jessica. <laughs> no, no, not at all. She does probably my, I think, the funniest moment of the season so far um, with sending a text to Trish, who's been sitting outside in the car saying, Patsy needs a meltdown <laughs> <laughs> as uh, as Trish sets off the um, the alarms in the car. I think this is hilarious just because of how Trish plays at this blonde bimbo routine as she calls it herself where she's just going i'm psychologically shutting down by this noise this is really triggering for me and where she's just that, playing that, that line alone <laughs> it's hilarious brilliant this is triggering me i'm like oh my god it's brilliant just that she's playing that uh, that that hollywood starlet stuck in a small town and can't do anything for herself uh, seems to play the part pretty well like yeah and with that then we see jessica grab the files which is great mm-hmm. Um, and we get this great scene where they're they're sitting in their hotel room discussing and going through and trying to figure out if it was possible that did he do it. Mm-hmm. And they come to the conclusion, no, that most likely the tractor death was an accident. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Like we, we had a quick discussion about this last week just from the conversation that Salinger had with Eric when he had him tied up, um, where... We thought, we assumed, because everybody does, oh yeah, he killed his brother, that's what happened. So I'm glad they kind of took us on that journey uh, in this investigation to show you why he didn't do it, really. It was only after his brother died that his father started turning on him. And that seems to be part of what pushed Salinger over the edge to start this path, I guess. Um, At the very least, he was coming from a home where where things weren't going very well for him. And he didn't have any kind of support structure at home. Yeah, and I think it's then the the later, the later investigation that really probably instilled in him the, this thing about gifted people. Exactly, exactly. Not earning it. Um, but 
before we get there, we did get this great scene between Trish and Jess mm-hmm. about superheroes and the superhero identity and living this double life. Yeah. And um, what do you think about this? I really like this take from Trish because she's still trying to sort out what way she wants to do this. She knows because of what happened to her at the beginning of the season, in episode two, I think, where she didn't have a mask on and everybody saw her and it was like, oh, that's Patsy. Um, so she, and that's why she got served by, uh, by the lawyers to pay off some guy who she beat up. So she can't uncover her face, but she does have this big problem hiding the secret identity. Um, she compares it to when she was a, when she was a superstar and was drug addicted for years, had gone in and out of rehab four or five times. And when it was eventually revealed to the public, she actually says, despite it taking a big toll in her life, there was a huge weight lifted from herself. So it's quite interesting to have that discussion. We, You know, there's there's a number of uh, these different characters who walk around freely in the streets, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones among them. Um, but Trish is not going to be able to be somebody like that because she had this past in as a star. And you wonder whether at some point is she going to, I don't know, crack this big case and suddenly reveal, oh, actually, it was Patsy that did that and try and embrace this new identity. I don't think that's going to work out too well for her either. But it's an interesting discussion. Yeah. So I found it very, as you said, interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is potentially trying to signpost an issue with Patsy, with Trish. In that if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, did you really push over a tree? <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, that's what she's hero. feeling at the moment. Yeah, that's absolutely what she's feeling at the moment. And that's what Jessica has kind of says that she always puts up with for the rest of her life. It does, as I think I said back in two or three episodes ago, Trish wants to be there to get the plaudits. Trish wants to be there to be the superhero that has the key to the city given to her because of her heroic deeds. All, none of these shows have had any heroes have gotten that kind of plaudits not even luke cage who was the savior of harlem he never really got to a level where everybody in the city was loving what he was doing people like it people don't like it but i think trish has this unrealistic expectation for where she thinks her powers are going to take her yeah she she wants to be the captain america Mm -hmm. but there's only one captain america and he doesn't dress like that chris that is true (laughs) but he's in the public eye true (laughs) and he's lauded about who he is and what he does i think That's signposting a potential thing with Trish yeah. in that if we see later on in the episode, she calls in a tip about herself so she can get the paparazzi to take a photo of her. Now, it's the best Dark Knight impression I've seen in a long time. <laughs> it's really good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I loved that. I think I think it was included in the one of the trailers, actually, sadly. Um, I know you don't watch all the trailers, Chris, so it's all right, but... That moment where she jumps from the top of the bridge to the ground is awesome. It's really cool and the, uh, and gets the guy to photograph her while she's doing it. It's really cool. Yeah, it's just even... She, but it's Patsy as well, which is she poses. Yeah. <laughs> she does... She stands up and then does the, 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 the back, my back, and then I'm going to look back at you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think this also leads to a particular issue, which is... For someone who's been in the limelight, mm-hmm. the, who's always been the center of attention, can that person ever truly become obscure? Yeah. And yeah. enjoy it? And what happens if they don't care? What happens 
if the papers go, well, it's just another vigilante. Man, she gets her five minutes of fame and then it's gone. We know Patsy has a addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Will this lead to her taking more risks, cons- looking for that greater high, yeah. uh, that greater accolade from the public? Could this be lead to? Could this lead to problems? Absolutely. In yeah, the yeah. future with Salinger. Will she try and take Salinger in by herself mm-hmm. against the rules and then become more than a vigilante? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, I can see this escalating. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this is where they're trying to subtly signpost it. Oh, this is absolutely the moment where you realize Trish is basically saying, this is not going to be a secret identity for me. So I think she even calls it out to Jessica, where she says, if 90% of your uh, of your day-to-day is your life, well, that becomes your life. This 10% that is me as a superhero, that's not what I want to be. I want those to be flipped around. So, yeah, absolutely. She wants to be in the public eye as Hellcat, effectively, as this other version of herself with her superpowers. She wants to be out there. So, uh, yeah, pretty interesting to see how this might go. And as I say, once again, the question's there. Does this put her on the radar of Salinger? She's another powered person. He didn't know who she was beforehand, but taking a couple of photographs, you know, as you said, click close and uh, and enhance. Um, do we see the the jawline of, uh, of Trish Walker, who effectively accompanies Jessica Jones everywhere she goes anyway at the moment? So... Will it be a huge hop, step, and a leap to ca- to catch who this person is? It'd be interesting to see, and whether Salinger goes after her, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, no, and I, I'm interested to see, as you said, where it goes. Mm-hmm. But look, let's jump on to our next point in the case notes, which is the suspicious gazebo. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, they were intent to investigate the death of Salinger's brother, as we thought he may have murdered him, but uh, come across uh, the best friend and wrestling partner of. Uh, of Greg Salinger, Nathan Silva. Um, this is another really good investigation. This really does strike me as Jessica Jones' comic book version of Jessica Jones, where she goes in and investigates something, not necessarily the main point of the show, a kind of an offshoot to the show, but it is really important to her investigations into Salinger, obviously, to find the first person that he killed. Yeah, and I really, I really, really enjoy this part. Mm-hmm. It does take Jessica to... Nathan's parents' house, and we get this really again that dichotomy of the father who's happy someone's looking into it, yeah. and the mother who doesn't trust the superpowered person who's just coming in and digging up the past. Yeah, and also um, I think it feels like Nathan's mother has accepted that he's gone for good. Um, they've had the FBI, they've had the police force in investigating. And this is just another person turning it over again. They've had the press in before doing the investigations. You know, it feels like she's going, look, you can't do anything for me. He's gone and not coming back. Even if he's not dead, he don't, doesn't want to be here, basically. So it seems like she's at least made that decision to move on. And that's why I suppose as the story goes on, that's why it's even more heartbreaking to see her reaction. Yeah, because we do learn interesting information here. Mm-hmm. We start again to get this picture of Salinger Especially because it boils back down to the gifted aspect. Yeah. Because him and Nathan were besties for the whole time until Nathan started getting offers from scouts for his, as his father, his gifts in wrestling. Mm -hmm. And 
that seems to be the where the split started to happen between these two besties. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, yeah, it's the, it, the fact that they've gone through high school together, both been on the same wrestling team and made up moves together. This is where we get the double half Weppinger moment where he says that's a move that they created together that Greg and Nathan created when they were kids wrestling together. And then it's Nathan is the one that everybody's looking for and looking at to move on and do this as a professional career, not Greg. So, um, yeah, it does seem to rile him up enough to kill Nathan, I guess. Yeah, and but we also get uh, he left a calling card. Mm. He left a trophy. Um, so he leaves a photo on... He gave a photo to Nathan's parents, mm-hmm. which is a picture of Nathan standing where the gazebo is. Yeah. And on the back of the photo, it says, he will always be with you. How harsh. Like, how yeah. brutal do you have to be to really rub it in their parents' face, you know? Um, like, I know, and, and don't get me wrong, I do understand this is a little bit shortcut with Jessica doing the investigation. I I, I, prob- I I can sense some complaints probably coming in about this scene where Jessica fixes and solves this murder that happened when nobody else could for 15 years. And she, the only question she asks was, hang on a second, when was that gazebo built? Oh, the day he died. Interesting. Owen Salinger built it. Interesting. He's under that, basically. She solves it in about three minutes, and this would probably sustain an entire season of uh, how to get away with murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I liked it. I like that we do get this. There's so much that needs to be told in this story. So this scene and these moments, I think... While it is shorthand, I think it's really good. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Look, they needed to do bits of shorthand in this, but it was very, very quick. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, the Wappinger um, police force, they sometimes let things slide. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, we won't go too far into it. Um, But I loved this scene. Mm -hmm. Like the next, the, the following three minutes is perhaps some of the best in the this season for me right because we see jessica burst her way through to after being confronted by the police Uh which most likely um nathan's mother calls yeah uh it's the same it's the same officer from earlier which is velasco Mm -hmm. and she's jessica just plows by her straight into the back goes to the gazebo and we see this whole point, like Velasco's going, stop what you're doing, stay where you are, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And Jess is just constantly going to the point where then, I know it's a, quite a small thing, but her lifting the gazebo and just flipping it, yeah. for me, I was like, that's nice. It looks good. Yeah. It didn't look cheesy. Absolutely. Um, and then just the pounding on the, the, the solid cement. Yeah, yeah. It was just, and like, the whole time seeing Velasco yelling at her, like, pulling out her weapon, screaming at her to stand up and put her hands up and telling her to back away, mm-hmm. getting more aggravated to the point where I was pretty sure she was going to fire the weapon. Yeah. Until Trish turns up and pulls out her phone. Ah, the power of the media once again. Yeah. <laughs> this, like, is, this is Trish's whole act now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Although I did see, very much see a... There was a bit of a political dig on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, very much like, most likely the police would have shot Jessica because if the camera wasn't on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's very much a, a, a current 2019, 2018 political thing. Oh, there's a few in this episode. Did you get the uh, the 
very unshocking one where Jessica says, uh, you're a super now, you can eat whatever you want, maybe a Cheeto. And uh, Trish says, I hate everything that orange. That's a definite yeah. political dig there, isn't it? Oh, and then even the the, the, the steps, the feminist vindicator, take back the night. Oh, but it's the, that's the show. It, it always has been that way for the last three years. It's always had uh, this political undercurrent from uh, from everybody involved you know it's it w- wouldn't be the show if uh, jessica didn't stand up for people's rights uh, exactly. date. Uh, but no it's it is a really interesting one and as i as i mentioned that moment where nathan's mother realizes that his body's inside the wrestling bag that jessica finds underneath the gazebo is it's brutal like it is really tough um as she realizes that her child has been right outside her door uh all those years it's awful oh that that was heartbreaking yeah just heartbreaking um, and when you continue to see the wailing mother mm-hmm. and then the bag being pulled out and put onto the cart um, and then the, the slow mow open of the bag to mm-hmm. see the, the, the skull with the the hair, I was just like, ouch. Yeah, yeah. Really well filmed. Really good. But it does lead us to the first confirmed kill mm-hmm. of Salinger. Um, now fingers crossed he was messy or sloppy because it was the beginning yeah it's like they always hopefully make mistakes at the beginning yeah and it does seem like it must have come as a crime out of nowhere really you know uh, you'd, you'd assume but yeah I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm, I'm going to be able to trust that they have enough evidence to take down Salinger now you know this is a uh... This is taking him down with his first ever crime. Maybe he's left enough DNA, maybe not. Um, so we'll hopefully see the outcome of that next episode. I, I'm hoping so, because that does lead us into our fifth and final case note, mm. which is never wrestle, Jessica. <laughs> it's never a good idea, is it? <laughs> no, never. We, we've seen so many people try and so many people fail. Absolutely. And Salinger is just one of those. Absolutely. And we see Jessica and Malcolm arriving almost together at the community center, the Willie Dance Community Center, um, where Salinger's giving his wrestling lessons to kids. And I love the seething rage from Malcolm as he's watching on, kind of going, they're letting him around kids. Like today, he was released by police under the assumption that he's a free man and they don't have enough evidence to convict him of being a serial killer. But that was today. That's like six hours ago or 10 hours ago that this happened, you know? Um, He's absolutely filled with rage and jessica arrives and as they have that conversation you can see that jessica's filling up a rage as well herself and she can't resist the invitation from salinger to come inside and effectively have their standoff there's definitely a touch of captain marvel in here i I was really seeing at these moments where salinger is pushing her and pushing her telling telling jessica that she can't possibly beat him without using her ill-gotten powers effectively you just sit there and just take a pounding from me because i'm a trained wrestler for the last 25 years and you're not allowed to use any of your powers or anything that you've invested your life in Um, so i'm really glad that jessica flips it and flips him yeah I didn't know how this was going to play out mm-hmm. because you had the parents all around the ring filming it, yeah, and then the kids, and I I did think he might say something as he being Salinger, yeah, that would throw off Jessica, right? That Jessica, because Jessica has not always been the most stable. Oh, not at but all. But the interesting <laughs> thing is, she now is, yeah, like they built her up and she's becoming what i always read her being in the comics Mm -hmm. which is yeah she has an angry streak 
Yeah, she has demons and problems, but she's able to control them when necessary. Yeah, yeah. And release them when necessary. Um, And so this is brilliant because she uses, although potentially tipping her hat before she should. Exactly. Which is my opinion. She shouldn't have potentially said this because Mm -hmm. now he's going to be able to go and build up a defense. Well, exactly, yeah. So she's... reveals to him that she knows about Nathan's murder and knows that he's the one that did it by saying to him, is this the hold that you had on Nathan before you killed him? It completely throws off Salinger for that moment and then she just beats him down. Um, I like that she knows she's being filmed. I like that that's all been laid out for her. She's saying to him, you know that if I beat you to a pulp effectively, then you're just going to take this and bring it to your lawyer and accuse me of beating you up. But since everything's being filmed here and we're having this conversation, I we're having a wrestling match and then she just walks away when she does that one body slam on him which is awesome <laughs> it's very cool but she can't win the fight but she does at least get the opportunity to effectively cheat and body slam him and gets the crowd going oh yeah the kids love it <laughs> and this for me was the best part because she she leaves it that she has her foot on him mm-hmm. tells him it's it's coming to an end yeah. and walks away doesn't let the anger go. Absolutely. And the kids scream. And she's still deadpan Jessica. And then we see the crack of the smile. Yeah. Which ends the episode. And for me, this was a bit, oh, you're smiling a bit too early. You've just let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. But okay, I'll let you have this moment because it was pretty damn cool. <laughs> Absolutely. She's riding a little bit high on, on getting the thank you from the local police officer in, uh, in his hometown, right? She's gotten the thank you for the first time. We get a, we get that kind of conversation between herself and, and Trish afterwards where she's going, well, that's happened once, it'll happen again. And Jessica going, I don't care what people think about me, but she does. We know that. These are things that Jessica says to cover up her real feelings and to protect herself from anybody treating her badly. She just says she doesn't care. This is something that she's built up all the way back to Kilgrave and how he used to treat her. And this is how she's created this crusty exterior that nobody can penetrate effectively. But she takes a little bit of pleasure in the fact that these kids are on her side. It's almost, you know, I was kind of wondering, did they just dislike Salinger? Or is this just the thing of seeing something funny bad happen to one of your teachers? And I think it's the second, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because she doesn't hurt him. Yeah. As much as she could. She just beats him at wrestling, right? With a slight <laughs> but I also see that potentially, much like like he already kind of goaded her into kind of. You saw how he was betraying himself after coming out of the cops with the the, the bandages and everything. Mm-hmm. So I can very much see him suddenly coming in the next episode with like in a wheelchair with a neck, two neck braces, and a uh, an arm in a cast <laughs> and. Like, his other hand in a sling, going, I was flipped and destroyed, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Maybe. And I, like, I, I don't know whether you'll take it that far. And I just, just purely because of all the parents who were filming it, because he does, he does know that if there's footage out there, that's what he says to Jessica. If there's footage out there, he'll use it against her. So she'd do the same, basically. So I don't know whether you'll take it that far. I do wonder, though, if all of this was being done by Jessica to say, come at me, not anybody else. I wonder if Jessica's going putting herself up front and going, I don't care who else you want to go after. You should be after me because I am the cheater of amongst us all. I am exactly the kind of target that you want so that he can, she can kind of take him off the street in a way, um, make her, her his next plan. It would be a plan from Jessica, I guess. Yeah. 
Okay. That might be a way to go. Yeah. So, look, that wraps up our case notes for this episode. Uh, do you have any notes on the episode as a whole? This sucks. Poor John hasn't been here for two episodes, and for two episodes we haven't had any Whiskey Watch. Um, I'm really sorry, fellow Defenders. I know how much you all love it. Uh, but when John comes back, we'll see if he can go back through the episodes and see any whiskey that we might have missed. That sounds about fair, fair to me. Let's get him to do some homework while he's away in his jollies. Exactly. Well, he's, he's not away in his jollies. I should put that out there. If he was away in his jollies, he'd still make this work. He's just got <laughs> other commitments at the moment. Exactly. Exactly. But he will be back for the next episode, I believe. So hopefully we'll have some whiskey watch then. There's no other particular notes for this episode, though. So let's jump straight back into our defense. Yeah. Derek, do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones? Oh, yes, absolutely defend this episode. This is a really, really good episode. Again, so much of our investigative Jessica Jones in here and so much intrigue about what's going to happen now that Salinger is is in amongst all of our major characters now. He's working alongside our new characters, Zaya and Malcolm and Hogarth. So, And he does seem to have a bit of a thing for Jessica Jones and finding out who this masked vigilante is, which to me means all five of those people are on the chopping block. They could, all five of them, possibly be future victims for Salinger so it makes the next couple episodes of Jessica Jones really interesting for me really highly defend this episode Chris how about yourself do you defend Jessica Jones season 3 episode 7 yep um, I really do uh, as I said this episode felt like a part 2 of a season but didn't slow down enough that usually a, a, a similar series would do so we've always talked about quite a lot sometimes there is lull and filler in some of the Marvel Netflix MCU um, kind of seasons I've yet to feel that this felt like okay we're just on to part two but we're going to keep it at the same pace as that um, now they went to they literally took the story out of New York mm-hmm. but it still gave us that that it moved the story along on each of the main characters yeah yeah um, so yeah this is really really interesting similar to you I think everyone's on the chopping block uh-huh. but more importantly I'm really interested to see where they'll take it. Absolutely. How those people will either survive or not survive. Yeah. So 100% defend this episode and really just want to get really into it. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks so much for that. Let's get on to some feedback for episode six. We'll do this quickly because it is still really hot and we're both melting (laughs) so we got some feedback in on episode six first up mike in cleveland who says wow on a regular broadcast tv show this would clearly have been the mid-season finale and we would have had to suffer for weeks of waiting for the next episode i watched episode five and six together so i'll comment here to ensure i don't drop any spoilers what an amazing emotional roller coaster we take with jessica and trish's relationship in these two hours i love watching these two women working off each other on my tv they have great chemistry together and then we add trish's mom and we get solid gold i felt i finally understood who trish is when she was trying to explain herself to her mom i'm heartbroken for both her and her mother still not a fan of eric and jessica hooking up but he got a lot more interesting in these two hours not a fan of where malcolm seems to be headed his storyline was pretty good until that last moment with eric's sister oh totally agree with you mike Jerry's storyline might jump the shark, depending on why she wants the information on the serial killer. If she now chooses to defend Salinger against the police and Jessica, I'm worried. Uh-oh, Mike. Uh, that's where we just talked about this entire episode. Uh, <laughs> you might not hear from Mike for a while. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike. 
<laughs> this is why we like telling people to give us feedback on the episodes, as you because you get the same peace and shock that we do. Which exactly. is, we say all this and go, "I really hope this is literally it happens." You're like, "Ah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Mike. You've done a Defenders TV podcast right there." I do like that, even though Jerry is defending Salinger at the opening of the episode, within about four lines, she realizes I might have made a mistake here. When Salinger accuses Jessica and the masked vigilante of possibly being part of the Take Back the Night movement, um, which he uses as an offensive statement, and you can tell that instantly gets Jerry's back up. So I like that it plays out that way. If she's going to choose to defend Salinger to promote her organization, that it may flip very quickly back to her uh, trying to distance herself from a really bad choice. Yeah, 100%. And finally, Mike says, In my opinion, Kilgrave made Season 1 amazing, and the lack of Kilgrave crippled Season 2. Salinger's presence has powered up Season 3 for me. Yeah, I I know a lot of people thought Season 2 kind of took a dip because we didn't have the big, big bad. I personally didn't, as neither did my hosts. Mm. Um, But I can see how Salinger has reinvigorated a lot of the audience in that he is a unpowered Kilgrave, if you will, but just on a different level. Yeah, I like that they took a few episodes to re-establish the team and the crew as to where they all were before we really got into Salinger as well. So that probably helped uh, to really say, this is Jessica Jones as a series, and now we're giving you your big bad. So that was kind of cool. Thanks so much, Mike. Yes, thank you, Mike. But let's move on with some feedback for the same episode. Robert Phillips says, so much juicy stuff in this episode. Absolutely love the shameless trip to kinky sex to save Eric. (laughs) Via the power of kissing, of course, and the unfolding revelations of abusive childhoods. This is obviously a reoccurring Marvel theme, and here we have a villain who was destroyed by his abusive dad. Mm. But the daughter made saviour as she chose to overcome the effects of a violent, controlling mother. The undertones of this do upset me a bit that you should forgive and be kind and loving to your abusive mother and she will repent. But I see how it aids Trisha's stories. Mm. I'm with you on that, Rob. We've talked about this a few times. Mm -hmm. Two more bits really caught me off guard about Trish. Her response to being outed by Jessica and the negativity of her mother. And then the growth of Stephen since his encouragement from the more traditional closet. Mm-hmm. Always enjoy seeing Malcolm, but have to admit to feeling very disappointed in his behaviour at the end of this episode. Yeah, I'm right there with you on both of those points again, Rob. Uh, this is definitely a... Uh, these two characters so far up to ep- end of episode six are... Not in the best of places and not doing the best of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's some really good stuff in this episode, definitely. And I'm I'm just so intrigued by how far they're pushing Malcolm. And I'm so intrigued to see what Trish is going to do. She's She is just chomping at the bit to be the superhero and to be outed to her mother. It's just this thing where it's like it's like bringing her back to ground again. Jessica did throw her out of the window i suppose which got her back to ground pretty quickly but um, it just kind of brought her back to the ground again going you need to tell your mother about this it's really important your mother's a very controlling person and she's going to be in your life constantly so you need to tell her about it um i know bob was saying there about um the undertone of it being to forgive and be kind to your loving and abusive mother and she'll repent I'm still not too sure because we do we do have that moment with trish where she effectively says i still remember everything you've done to me and I'll never forget about it. Um, but I still want you in my life. So I don't know whether she's forgiven her or whether she's her mother's too repentant. I think they're working on their relationship a bit. Um, so it's intriguing, but I'm, I'm expecting a little more from that again in the future. Yep. So that's all our feedback for this episode. Don't forget, you can email through your feedback on any of the episodes, just making sure you title up which 
one it is about in the subject line mm-hmm. to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com or, of course, on our major master feedback account, which is feedback at TVPodcastIndustries.com. You can also join our Facebook group to discuss everything Jessica Jones, Defenders, and, of course, upcoming Spider-Man at Facebook.com slash groups slash DefendersTVPodcast. We're also over on the Twitters. If you fancy sending us a tweet or just want to join in some general comic book revelry, join us at Defenders Cast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, fellow Defenders. We'll be back with our next review of Jessica Jones Season 3, Episode 8, a.k.a. Camera Friendly, really soon. Send your feedback for that one. Myself, John, and Chris, I think, are all going to be together for that one. Yes, because you know who's the most camera friendly of us all? None of us, because we'd crack the lens. (laughs) But... Good thing these podcasts aren't on the camera, so we're all good. Absolutely. That's why we do podcasting and not YouTube videos. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, fellow Talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Bye. It did. It so really gross. did. This was the this was the slow this was, I don't know how to put it. It was almost like uh, the the part two of the season, but it didn't. See, so this is the weird. Sorry, I'm getting my, I literally am getting excited. Okay. You hear it use that term a couple of times in this episode, that famous lawyer term of allegedly. Um, and effectively, when it works for her, she will allow a, a sal- this is what happens when it's this hot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like it's starting. All my words. <laughs> I can't even open the window as well because there's kids playing outside. Not good, right? But there are a couple of clues very quickly in that she may have put her trust in the wrong person. We hear Salinger go on uh, go on screen in front of the television cameras and talk about the fact that maybe Jessica's a female vindicator, <sighs> and talk about maybe the fact that Jessica's a female. Email. Stop saying that there. <laughs> and talk about Jessica maybe being a feminist vindicator. So it's my job to ensure that I I have to basically find everything out about Salinger, even the stuff he's not hiding you, so that you're aware of it. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. It's getting warm. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, man. And then what we so he he agrees that he's going to look into her. Um, um, Just take that again, man. Deep breath, it'll help. Yeah. <laughs> this is interesting. <laughs> we are not built for this heat. No. Um, because it does take her. It takes Jessica to uh, Nathan's parents' house. Mm-hmm. I got a ice cream van outside. Do 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 ice cream van. While it is shorthand, I think it's really good. Yeah. <sighs> can you hear that? Get an ice cream, Chris. Uh, but can you hear it? <laughs> yes, I can. Okay. I hear everything, Chris. <laughs> Tell me when you can't hear it anymore. I can no longer hear it.